This is Black Millennial Money. This is Black Millennial Money, boy. This is Black Millennial Money. Hi, everyone. Time for a disclaimer. The information contained in this episode is not intended to be personal financial advice. You should always seek the advice of a professional before making any financial decisions and always do your own research. Let's get into the episode. This is Black Millennial Money, where we talk about how you can make more money, keep more money, invest your money and spend your money on the finer things in life, all from a Black Millennial perspective. And today I'm with Mr. David Villa-Clark. But before we go any further, some notices, some points to be made. A few of you, a few of you have been watching us for a long time, whether that's on YouTube or listening to us on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts and everywhere else that you can get a podcast because we are everywhere except for SoundCloud. Um, but you haven't liked, you haven't subscribed, and you haven't shared. Now, it's crucially important that you do that because we're on a mission here to help as many black millennials get access to this information. So if you're not liking it, the algorithms that govern the internet are not going to show it to more and more people. So take the time now to like it and share it. Literally bomb your WhatsApp groups. That's what I do every Monday when we come out, bomb your WhatsApp groups share it so the information gets out there because we need this in our community also some of you may have noticed the production quality has gone up significantly on the videos but also with the audio and that's because i've teamed up with just michael ak studios that's just michael ak studios.com and he handles my edison now he's a, he's really really talented and if you reach out to him at just michael ak studios.com you can see all of his services including editing video work and production of of music as well so check him out but now into the meat of the episode we have mr david villa clark he's been on the episode before he's been on the podcast before he's taught, he's spoken about your readiness for investing he's spoken about generational wealth and today we are talking about is it still possible to retire early in this keep money episode we're breaking it down can you retire early previous generations did it we're like oh i retired at 45 I'm moving to the south of France and so on and so forth. Some people did it back then, but can we still do it in our generation? And that's what we're talking about. Talking about the tips and tricks related to that. We usually do three things we should know about David, but if you don't know three things about David now, just know this is his third time on the podcast and you don't come back if, if you're not any good. You don't come back if you're not any good. So David, how's it feel to be on the show for the third time? No, it's fantastic. And for me, what's gone down really well is the feedback I'm receiving from your listeners. So a few have actually come, gone on to become clients and I've spent some time talking with them to help them set their roadmap. And for me, that's the great accolade that I, I can ask for. See, that's, that's exciting for me to hear because honestly, we're putting out this information for, not people, for people not just to learn, but to actually take action. So for the fact that people have heard your voice, heard the financial wisdom you've been sharing on the show and decided to take action, that's powerful. And if you haven't done so yet and you like what we're about to talk about, you like what David is going to share, reach out to him. It is absolutely free to reach out to him and you may get some transformational information. You may actually get the confirmation of you doing the right thing. And in a lot of cases, most people's biggest reason is for not reaching out to a wealth manager because as David would agree, it's about getting advice. It's not necessarily coming to David for advice because he's not the only wealth manager in the country. Yeah, he's not right. the only wealth manager in the world, but you need to talk to somebody, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Listen, 100%. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed is helping the people who still haven't done any business with me because I've given them some knowledge in terms of some of the things that they can do. Now, I can't help everyone, but what I can do is certainly point them in the right direction and, and help them make some decisions that are critical, not just for today, but for their future life. And, and for me, you know, I have to thank you for putting this on, Joseph, because it has really changed some people's lives. Appreciate that, David. I appreciate that. Um, and that's what we're here for. That is really what we're here for. And if you're listening to this and you want any level of financial success in your future, whether that just means you own your own home, whether that means you have no debt, whether that means that you send your kids to an amazing school or you get to travel four or five times a year, reach out to a wealth manager, reach out to David and just have the conversation. Even if you make even if you're a student, even if you only make 22 grand a year, even if you don't make any money right now, ask the question, get the information. So when you need it, it's there. But I'll get off my soapbox now. Let's get into the, let's get into them, into what we're really here to talk about. Brilliant. We're talking about, is it still possible to retire early? And let's address that question nice and early, David, in a word, is it still possible for millennials to retire early or have baby boomers ruined it for us? Absolutely, it really is. Uh, yeah, I think I, I hear the stories that the baby boomers and we have taken all the money, and you guys have got nothing to look forward to in terms of retirement. Yeah, thank you, but no, truthfully, you guys can still retire early. There's just some steps that you need to take and things to be aware of that will help you get there. Cool. And in your so you're you're constantly helping people with a retirement planning and looking at what their next steps are. In your experiences. Is retirement what it used to be? Because retirement just used to mean you start gardening and playing golf all the time. And nothing's wrong with doing that. But it, are people still retiring the same way? What does retirement look like nowadays? Yeah, do you know what? It's different for different people. And I think that when I was growing up, uh, Joseph, uh, retirement was at 65 for a man, 60 for a woman. Mm. You get your pension from the company that you worked at. The government gives you a little bit of a top up as well. You stop work, you look after the grandkids, if you're blessed with grandkids, you then go and either play golf in the garden or retire back to home, as it it affectionately called for my parents. So for me, it's all about working your 40 years, getting your money and then going off to do exactly what you want. And if you weren't fortunate enough to be able to have saved some money through a, a company pension scheme, all you had to rely on the fact then was the, the basic state pension. And I remember growing up, um, particularly in the 80s, when there were queues outside the post office every Thursday, you know, of old age pensioners waiting for their little pension to be able to, you know, buy their food, pay the electric bill, etc. So, you know, you know, for, for me, what I've seen with the baby boomers is where they've had wealth passed onto them. They're a little bit more astute about making themselves fit for retirement. Fit for retirement. That's that's a. Uh... That's a good way to phrase it, I think, because a lot of people talk about retirement like it's a million years off for one. So it's like, I don't even need to think about it. I'm, I'm 25, I'm 32. Like, I'm probably going to work till I'm 70 something. By the time I get there, the state pension is going to be for 103 year olds. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's not something we really think about, but there are actions that people can take now to bring that date forward. And it's int- a lot of our listeners may be familiar with what's called the FIRE movement. And it, 
basically it's an acronym for, for financially independent retire early. And what that means is that you don't necessarily need to be old to retire. You just need to be quote unquote financially free. Like people, people talk about online all the time where you get to the point where you don't have to work to maintain your lifestyle, but you can continue to work. And, and for a lot of people, I see us on the train on Monday mornings when we're going into work. We don't want to go. I see some of the proudest feminist women on Twitter saying, you know what, this could be, yeah, I'm 27. Can someone, can someone rich just take me out of this situation? I don't want to do it anymore. Um, and to be fair, most of us would prefer to work two to three days a week anyway. And that yeah. is a form of mini retirement anyway. Yeah. So I guess a key question that people ask you often when it's too late is can they afford to retire? How would you know? your red like what kind of numbers would you be looking at to assess your readiness for retirement because really all of us should be building towards a level of financial independence or absolutely. financial freedom yeah absolutely you're spot on there joseph and typically i tend to see clients who are really panic about their retirement when they're late 40 early 50. i can say to you last week i had two calls i've just turned 50. what do i need to do about my retirement so because you know, people start to think that you have your education, you come out, you get your job, you go through your job, you climb the career ladder, you, know, you may get married, you may have children, you buy your first house, you buy your second house, and all that takes up money. So the last thing on your mind is 40 years down the road that you're going to need a pot of money for you to be able to continue your life the way in which you want to do it. That's the last thing on your mind. But as you get closer to that, you start to read the press about what retirement looks like and see all those ads of people on cruises or on beaches, etc. They never, listen to this, they never ever show you the adverts of people who have not saved successfully for retirement living in really bad conditions and having a county pen. You never see those adverts. Yeah? But it's about making retirement as accessible for as many people as possible, but also more important, that a nice life. You've worked all those years. Why do you not deserve a nice life when you retire? Yeah? You don't have to be breaking your back for 40 odd years to live worse than when you're working. Come on now. Yeah? So for me, retirement is really about putting yourself in that position so you have the choice as to when you choose to go. And you also have the choice to say whether you want to work one, two, three, four, five days. Because a 65 year old man now, Tell you what, there are the 40-year-olds that were back there in the 80s who've been working long, hard hours. And, you know, people live in past 100 as well. So you know, there's a longer period of time to spend that retirement pot of money. So some people will, will, will downsize the job that they're doing, work two, three days a week, maybe do a bit of consultancy, maybe have a little side hustle so they're not stressed. And it, many different things that people can do when they come to retirement. So there's not a fixed age. And in the context of retiring early, because a lot, because I'm, I'm mindful that even when I hear 65, I'm 30 years old, I'm like, oh, that sounds like a long time. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I've got plenty of time. But if I bring that date forward and say, could I retire in 10 years time when I'm 40? And it's got me thinking, okay, what's the real calculation that I need to do? Because a lot of people listen to this and we all, we all think, you know what, to retire, I'm going to need a couple hundred M's. Like, Ooh, I need probably 10 million to retire. Yeah. But in reality, what kind of numbers do people need to retire? And it's just 
not needing to go to work because that's what retirement really is. It's, it's however old you are when you don't need to leave the house to necessarily maintain how you live. It's yeah. not an age thing. And we, yeah. just, we sort of need to separate that because there's people, there's an argument to say someone like Mark Zuckerberg was retired from the age of 24. As soon as Facebook went public, yeah. he don't need to go to work no more. <laughs> well, he does, but he doesn't, if that makes sense, because financially, he doesn't need any more money. Yeah. There's a lot of footballers in a similar situation, a lot of musicians listening to this now. Like, yeah. you've, you've got two or three million in the bank, you invest that, you have no worries. But that's the thing, Joseph. Not everyone does invest it. How many stories have you heard, heard about footballers who have earned millions but are penniless? How many musicians have you heard wrote hit songs but are penniless? And you know, this is where the basics come into financial planning. You know, if you want to retire at, say, 55, which is the, the, the government legal age, you can start to draw down from your pensions, and you're 30, you know you've got 25 years to build up that fund, right? So depending on the amount of money that you need, yeah, that is what you have to work towards. And I typically say to clients, be conservative. Think you're going to get 4% for every, every penny that you've invested. And that's the amount of money you've got to play with. So if you've got 100,000 to invest in the pot, you need 4,000 pounds per annum from that. Yeah? And there's lots of things you can do with other investments using your taxable allowances. That means that you may not have to pay tax on some of that investment that you take back. But it's, you know, just for a crude, you know, rule of thumb, you think that 4% of what you've got invested to give you a return for the rest of your life, whether that's 10 years or 50 years based on your investment, then that will stand you in good stead. Okay. So to break that down just a little bit, because when we start talking 4%, I know you know that I know what we're talking about, if that makes any sense, what I just said. But <laughs> to some of the listeners, it may be a little bit new. So... Essentially, what you're saying is, say, for example, someone makes like their household costs are maybe £2,000 a month, which means in a year, £24,000 worth of costs need to be covered. For yeah. you to be mini retired, your investments need to be producing roughly £24,000 a year in income for you to not have to leave the house. Yeah. But then in reality, if you can get your investments to the point where they produce £12,000 a year, that means you only need to work six months of the year to cover your expenses. To cover Absolutely. Do you know what? And that's a great way of looking at it. It is then only six months to cover your expenses. But also you've got for, um, some, some tax breaks and some tax allowances that you can use, which may actually take it to seven or eight months. Yeah? So you only need to work for four months of the year. Also, in terms of retirement strategy, I look at the whole picture. So some people put property, you know, a big four-bedroom house. When they retire and there's just mum and dad still left at home, they don't need the four-bedroom house, so they need to start to downsize. They take some of that capital away from the property and use that to be part of their retirement plan as well. Now, they may have other investments. They may have had uh, insurance policies. Some people look at inheritances that they're receiving. So when it comes to retirement plan, it's not all just about putting it into a pension pot. It's looking at the whole situation to find out what's the most tax-efficient way you to get the money that you require to allow you to live the life that you want to live and that is what i love doing helping people live the life the way they want to live it and that's a very very solid point to transition on because um a lot of people now especially their pension is linked to work so work handles that i just mm. tick a box and it's dealt with yeah um break it down what is a pension to start off with 
Yeah, so basically, I would say a pension is a savings pot where you put money in, and at the end of the term that you specify, which has to be beyond age 55, that pot of money is available to you. And that's in its simplest forms. Now, the way in which pensions are invested are typically in stock and shares and other forms of equities like bonds and cash and maybe even some form of commercial property. Now, the benefit of having a pension, whether it's a workplace one or it's one that you have in terms of a private one, is that you get tax relief from the government. Now, what that means in its simplest format, if you put in £10, you get 20% from the government contributing towards your pension. So you put in £8, they put in £2, happy days, that's the money that's in your pot. And that will grow and grow and grow. And they'll never take that away from you. Yeah? That is legislation at that point in time. Now, those can change in terms of the amount of tax relief that they wish to give. But whilst it's there, it's something you should take. I call it free money. Yeah? Do you hear what I said, Do you hear what I said there, Joseph? Yep. Free money. Now, of course, there is a cap on this. So the government's not going to give you everything for free, right? So there's a cap on it, which means you can only invest up to £40,000 in a tax year, provided you have earnings up to that level. So if you have earnings up to, up to 20000 you can only get 20% up to 20,000. If you have earnings of 60,000, you can only have it up to 40,000. Yeah? So that's the tax relief benefit that is available to you. Now, the second point about pensions is whilst you put your money in that little savings pot, all of the investments within there grow tax free. Yeah? Tax free. So another free bit that I like. So you've got some free money. And your free money is growing tax-free. Now, if we think about and put that in another investment, maybe a unit trust or some stocks, mm-hmm. when you get your gain on that, you have to pay tax, yeah, or it's assessed against your tax band. Pension, non, 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 non. Yeah? So that, again, is another benefit. And just, to cl- ju- uh, just to clarify, um, the tax benefit, that's, that covers capital gains tax? Capital gains tax and income tax. There is no tax on your pension fund as it is growing at all. None. Nada. We enter zero tax free. Okay. Okay. You have a third point. You know what I like. You know what I like. You know? A little bit of freeness for sure. Three ninety nine. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and especially the third point, which I think is, is the most important, is when you come to take your pension, and there are many different ways in which you can take it, mm-hmm. but that fund where you've got the free money going in, it's grown in a tax-free environment, you can then take 25% of that fund tax-free. So no tax whatsoever, and you take in 25% of that fund. So you've got a lump sum. A lump sum. So let's say it's 100,000 you've managed to make, you can take that 25,000 pounds, spend it as you wish. Now, if we go back to your example of someone needing 12,000 pounds a year, you can draw down 12,000 pounds, and leave the other £13,000 in the fund to grow, but in an investment fund, and then take that as you wish, yeah, on a tax-free basis. Mm. Yeah? The rest of the fund, you can then use to draw down additional amounts of money as and when you need it. Okay. Okay. So there's a couple of things to bear in mind there. In the context of retiring early, um, with pension plans, you have to be 55 to access the money. So that's early, but is it early enough for most people? Um, 
And then the other thing that really makes a big difference to this pension plan is debt. The easiest way to retire early is to have no debt, right? So for yeah. a younger person now, your job is to destroy your mortgage, like literally pay off every pound. It makes sense, for example, if you've got, if you're young enough to get a 40 year mortgage, of course, stretch it out, but then make those overpayments faster to cut that to maybe 15 years or 20 years, because the quicker you get rid of all of your debt, the easier it is to retire. Because again, you may find that you only need to pull down 12,000 pounds when you're 55. But if you retire at 40, honestly, how many people do you know in your office, in your office or a place of work now that are there because their mortgage is insane? A lot of people would be changing jobs to something less stressful with something with a much less annoying manager three days a week if they didn't have a mortgage. So for those of you who already have properties or are in the process of getting a property, your quickest path to financial freedom is not only clearing debt, but making sure that your biggest debt, your biggest liability, your mortgage is gone. Is gone. Because then think about it. If, you're, if your mortgage is £1,000 a month, which is low for London, what could you, how much different would your life be if you had an extra thousand pounds in your pocket every month without earning any more money? Forget any side hustles or anything else. If you had an extra thousand pounds in your pocket because you had less debt. Fantastic. Fantastic. It gives you choice. Yeah. yeah. It gives you choice and it gives you freedom, yeah, which allows you to live the life the way you want to live it. And some of you, some of you, I'm going to be honest, your mortgage is that new car you got. You wanted that Range Rover, so pay it off or sell it. <laughs> like, if you've got a 70 grand car, you got to make choices. You got to make choices. And sometimes you forego the 70 grand car to work three days a week and have a better standard of living and travel. Can you imagine if, if you work three days a week and you don't have to ask how, you don't need to calculate your holiday days because you've got a four day weekend every week. You could just figure it out. Like, all right, I'll take some time off. I'll be two weeks off. It's only six days of holiday because you work three days a week. That's the choice. That's the options that a lot of people have. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think I said to you, Joseph, retirement is the longest holiday of your life. The longest holiday of your life. You know, now let's just assume you decide you don't want to work anymore. You have got sufficient funds in the pot. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want, answering to nobody, mm -hmm. because that income's right there. Yeah. And the only way it's going to get there and allow you to do that is by proper financial planning. Exactly. The other thing I wanted to touch on before we transition completely to the next section, because we've got some more stuff to unpack, is um, how many pensions can someone have? Is there a limit to what they have? Should they only rely on the workplace pension as well as the state pension? Or can you do more than that? Yeah, you, you, you know what? That, that's a great question. Because I see a lot of clients, particularly in their 50s, they come to me with a box full of paperwork that have got five, six, seven different pensions. My view is to consolidate it all, yeah, if you can do that based on charges. So we do a calculation and find out if that's the right thing to do. And have someone that you trust manage that for you, yeah? Now, when you start work in a company that's got more than five employees, your employer has to give you what's known as a workplace pension, and they'll contribute. If it's a good employer, they'll contribute a, a, a reasonable side. If it's a small employer or one that's not you know, too interested in looking after, 
I'll contribute the, the mandatory minimum 1%. Yeah, and then allow you to actually top up. Now, the challenge with these pensions, uh, as I see it, is that what happens is that people generally do not look at what they've got. You receive the paperwork, you have to get the job, you don't actually understand the funds that you're invested in, which is important. You don't actually understand the tax relief that's available, which is important. You don't actually understand how much more you can contribute to help you get to retire early as well. So that's, that's one type. You can have a personal pension which is your own choice to go and work with a provider or an advisor. You can then, then again, within the contribution limits, contribute to that. Mm. If you're paying national insurance contributions, you're also eligible for the basic state pension as well. Now, for someone like myself, I'll get at 67. After COVID this year, you millennials, who knows when that's going to be? <laughs> You know, the, the, the government have got some debt to kind of find, so maybe there'll be some changes around state pension age. We don't know. But currently, provided you're paying national insurance contributions, you're eligible for basic state pension as well. There are three different types of pension um, that you can have, but you can have multiple yeah, personal pensions if you choose to do so. I wouldn't recommend it because you're paying charges. Keeping track of the paperwork is often very difficult. If you change jobs and you haven't uh, moved a pension on, it's hard to think about where that money is. And if you think about the average person who's in their 50s now, have had five or six different jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, millennials are probably going to have a lot more than that because looking at my life, since uni, I've had, and this might just be me being a bit crazy, but I've had four jobs already. Yeah. And um, I mean, four proper jobs because there's like, part-time retail when I was just leaving uni and all of that kind of stuff um but for me this is a tip that I I give to everyone is that I started my own private the personal pension that you mentioned and I I set that up for myself but how I funded it is I went back and found all of my pensions from when I was like 21 and working at B&Q in uni my first job out of uni when I was working for Virgin Trains picked up all the paperwork for that because pretty much everyone who's my age and maybe a year or two older was automatically enrolled in all of these pensions yeah so i had 500 pounds sitting there i had two grand over there i had 150 pounds somewhere else so i just used all of that money and brought it into one place to start my own private pension and after this house purchase has gone through for me one as you know you guys i'm trying to buy a house i I feel like i've mentioned that a million and one times um after that then it's me setting up a a regular direct debit to be paying money into that in addition to my workplace pension. So I'm continually building up both as well as the national insurance because I don't know about you guys, but I want to be out of this workplace requirement thing as soon as possible. And that is something that you can do really easily now to just consolidate all of those old pensions that probably have next to no money in them that also there's no additional contributions going in because you don't work there anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Joe, the thing is, if people tend to forget where they've worked or what benefits they have, and that's why, again, I always say go and take advice because a good advisor will ask you where you've worked, and there's a pension tracing uh, system that we can go down to find out whether, whether you've got any money. And, you know, I regularly have clients who I find money for. I mean, how mad is that? Yeah. I you know, sent a letter off, got something about 40, do you realize you've got 40,000 pounds? 40,000 pounds? How have I got that, David? Mm. You know, and it, it's, it, it's those challenges that frustrate me as an advisor because you work hard for your money. It is your money. 
you know, you could leave this earth and your family will never, ever know that you had that amount of money passed away, which you would have wanted to pass on to the generation. Take advice. Take advice. You know, listen to podcasts. Educate yourself. Make sure you've got a good handle on your money because it's important that that's going to make it possible for you to live the life you want to live when it comes to your retirement. You tied that section up perfectly, David. So in the next segment, in the next segment, we're going to be talking about alternatives that you can use to, to boost your retirement options and help you get there faster. Because again, traditional pensions in the UK, you can only access them once you're 55. What other things can you be doing now to help you potentially cut down from five days a week, six days a week to three before you access that big lump sum that you're putting away? If you have any questions or dilemmas that you'd like to have featured on our podcast or on our YouTube channel, go to blackmillennialmoney.com, click the contact page and send it to us. Names will be changed or kept anonymous unless you say otherwise. So David, we've really broken down pensions quite significantly in the previous section. So we're talking about, is it possible to retire early? And in summary, it is. Is it easier than it used to be? Not necessarily, but there are ways in which you can do it. So we've covered state pensions, we covered workplace pensions, and the caveats related to that. And we've covered private pensions that you can set up for yourself and the quick hack of how you can actually start putting that together. But most people listening to this are not willing to wait till they're 35 to retire. And I'm in that camp. I'm not trying to be, they'll say 35, I mean 55. If I could write, retire at 35, I'll be, I'll, I'll be gone. I'll be gone. <laughs> but um, what other things can we be doing to bring that retirement date forward? And to clarify, retirement means when I don't need to leave the house to maintain my standard of living. It does not mean when I'm old and tired of this earth. That is not what we're talking about. Yeah. So yeah. what other yeah. things can I do, David? Well, we talked about earlier in terms of paying down debt as quickly as possible. Because once you pay down debt, you obviously need less money. Mm-hmm. Now, other investments that you can do are things like ISAs. I think we touched on them. Or I heard uh, an advisor speak about them before. And um, individual savings accounts, it, again, is creating a pool of money in a tax-efficient way that allow you access to that as and when you need it. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, you put in... £10 today into a cash ISA, you can get that back out tomorrow. You know, I'm thinking stocks and shares ISAs because we know the level of growth that you can get when you're looking at retiring, provided you're prepared to invest for a five to 10 year period. Now, the beauty of ISAs is that you can invest up to £20,000 per person per tax year. So if you're a couple, that's £40,000 going into the fund. Mm-hmm. You then select your funds leave it there to grow, and you can then draw down that as and when you wish. And again, that's tax-free. Yeah. So for me, that is the first port of call outside of your pension. On the stocks and shares ISA real quick, um, those companies that you're invested in through the stocks and shares ISA, do you get dividends payments as well? And, and can you reinvest those? Yeah, so those dividends get paid to the fund and the fund then disperses them across the investors. So you don't actually own a particular share within any of those companies. Yeah. So you're basically units in that in, in that fund. But there is the possibility for you to benefit from that appreciation because oh, they because they just put, they just add it to your overall pot, right? Absolutely, yeah. So all your money combined, the dividends that get paid off of the stocks that are purchased. Comes into that fund, you get the benefit of that level of capital growth, and that's what we're looking for in terms of helping to create a fund for you. Your 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 fund 
is ring fenced within that as well. So we've got your units that are your units, and the value when you come to want to withdraw from that is up to you. Okay. And again, if you do that monthly cost of what it actually what your bills are, what your lifestyle really costs, because it's not necessarily your take home salary. If all of your bills total maybe two thousand pounds a month, you essentially need to find a way to cover two thousand pounds a month, and then everything else is discretionary income, right? Yeah. So absolutely. if your if your stocks and shares ISA is producing a thousand pounds a month, you only need another investment or another few things to produce a thousand pounds a month, and now you don't need to leave the house. And it's important to break it down into that kind of number because often you find people are chasing. 100 M's, they're chasing 100 million, they're chasing 5 million. But in reality, most people leave, average salary in the UK is 34,000. Yeah. Most people are leaving their house every day to take home 2,200 pounds or so after tax. If you could get 2,000 pounds a month after tax, it means you don't have to do that commute anymore. At least yeah. not for every single day of the week. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to get to here. So. Yeah. I keep. I want to keep re-emphasizing that, David, because it's such a crucial point. That it's yeah. just perspective. You're looking. If if you could get three thousand pounds a month without leaving your house, most people are, most people are quitting everything now. They're Joseph. retired from today. Joseph, we've just had COVID. People did not leave their house for three months. The only spending they were really doing was on shopping or on Amazon. Yeah. So there was no travel. There's no additional lunches. Yeah, there was no stopping off in the shop on the way home to buy something additional. So people were actually saving money. Now, that's what retirement's like. You're at home, you then would choose to go out and choose how to spend your money. So whilst we're talking about 2,200, we could even cut that down to probably 1,500, 1,600. Because you're not paying your, your outfit, you're not paying your lunches, you're not going down the pub after work, you're not stopping to buy a new work suit, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. Well, and if, if you've got no debt on top of that, that number comes down even lower. Absolutely. You know, and we've seen it. We've seen how frugal people could be when they think the world is falling apart and <laughs> they have to buy all the toilet roll in Sainsbury's. You know, <laughs> see how frugal people can be. So, you know, start to think about how do you actually turn that money into something else that's going to let you live the best life that you wish. So, I mean, we mentioned the ISAs, but also, you know, you can draw equity from the property. But if you've got a property, and you've got a low mortgage on it, and rates are incredibly low at this moment in time, you could draw that money down, invest it, take your 20% free money from the government, yeah, and then draw that back. Now, typically, because that is a risky strategy based on your going into stocks and shares investments, typically tends to happen with people who are close to 55, mm -hmm. yeah, because you may be 54, they borrow 10, 20,000 from their, from their mortgage, yeah, they then get that extra 20% on top. Yeah, so that goes into the pot, the 25,000. They can immediately take that 25%. Mm. Yeah, and then repay that bit off the mortgage and then start paying. So yeah, that's when it comes down to having a good financial planner who can help you with these ideas as well. Yeah. To be yeah. creative in the way in which you approach your finances. Yeah. Because from, um, from a tax efficient way, yeah. Yeah. Because there are multiple ways in which you can do this. And it all depends on, as we discussed before, your appetite for risk, your timeline, and what it is you really want. And that what it is you really want piece is the fundamental part. Because some people don't want to be a billionaire. Some people, that's all they, that's all they want in life. But 
for pretty much everyone, if you cover what you make in your day job now, it's a very, very good start. You've bought back every single day of your life from now until eternity. And then you can figure out how you make the billion or then you can figure out what you do with your time. And that property one is a very interesting one because a lot of people are chasing property right now. And sometimes the approach, and I'm not, this is, as you know, the disclaimer at at the beginning of this episode, this is not financial advice. We're just talking. (laughs) But the reality of it is, is sometimes you may not, it may not make sense for you to buy the house. As a Londoner, it may not make sense for you to live in London. The rest of the country does not smell and it's not on fire. Yeah. Leave. Like I was talking to my brother the other day and he realized he could make more money as a software engineer moving to Manchester and getting a two bed flat with a mortgage of 350 pounds a month. You can even rent a shoebox in London for that. 350 pounds a month is almost what it costs just to, just to travel to work in London. So a one to six travel card is 260, 270. Wow. And you know they're going to raise it in January, even though no one's been to work for most of this year. Wow. So when you, when you put it in that perspective where people are paying you more money to leave, what other smart things could you do with your money? Because even if you went out to Manchester and you're renting, if you can get more money or maintain your London salary, how much more money could you be saving and putting into retirement or putting into things that mean this may be your last job ever? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people listening to this. So, so we've covered, we've covered ISAs and that, but that you can put money tax efficiently away from in that. And that's very similar to how pensions work traditionally as well. The limits are, are different, but you can get a tax benefit from doing that. If you've got property or any other asset you can draw, you can draw equity from. Yeah. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, if it's property, it's called a home equity, a HELOC or something? Equity release. Equity release. Home equity release. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, th- those really, I- I'm not a fan, but mm-hmm. again, you know, this is, this is not advice. The reason why I'm not a fan is, is because they're stripping away the wealth from the next generation. So and increasing mom, your debt. I'm just kind of like, come on, mum, come on, we can find a better way to get you some money, yeah? Because you are increasing debt. You are taking away from the next generation, and it gets a back on the debt, mm. yeah? So at that point, you know, if someone can live for 20, 25 years, the interest rate just racks up, racks up. And trust me, they're not the 1% and 2% that we're seeing out there now for mortgages, yeah? Yeah. So, you know, so they're quite expensive. However, where they are beneficial, if you're a single person with no dependents, no next of kin, take your money, spend it, do what you put it all on black in Vegas on your last day, whatever it is, it's going to make you happy, enjoy the rest of your life, you know, do what it is that you want to do. So that's where I see, you know, it's beneficial for some people. But again, this comes back to, to good advice because we've talked about ISOs and the tax efficiency around now. We've talked about equity release. And people can invest in bonds as well, which they can take 5% tax rate from as well. They can invest in a unit trust, which if they've got a lower yeah, tax allowance, they can start to take the money from that to take from something else. Now, again, this starts to become technical, but it's more relevant in a one-on-one basis. So when people are talking to their financial advisor, they should be coming up with these sorts of strategies for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's looking at the whole picture. What have you got? When are you going to need it? Let's find the most tax-efficient way to do that for you. Bang. Perfect summary, David. 
and um, a lot of people listen to this. I like, and people people always say most of my sentences start with a lot of people listen to this, but that's for two reasons. I have spoken to quite a number of people that listen to this, but also there are a lot of people listening to this, so we're very happy to have you on board. But most people are excited about generational wealth. And they never think of their pension or retirement plans as part of generational wealth. And I'm going to leave this to you, David, because you're the expert. But one of the key things to me that that rings really loud when it comes to generational wealth is that if you can retire early, by clearing off your debt, it means you're not going to leave any debt to anyone after you. Yeah. So they don't have to start from minus 175,000 of your mortgage debt. Yeah. 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 They don't have to figure out that whole situation. Yeah. But before we go on, David, when it comes to pensions being part of generational wealth, how does that even work? What does that look yeah. like to someone? Listen, great. So a few years ago, just prior to pensions reform, you worked for your pension, you got to retirement, and they paid you your money until you died. Now, can you imagine working to age 60, dying at 61, and then money they stopped? All gone. You had one year income after you worked 40 years for an employer. Now, if you're married, typically 50% will go to your spouse. And then some will go on to the children at age 18, and they've left further education, which would be typically 21. But even still, let's say you've got no children, your spouse dies with you. Again, at 61, money's gone. So that's deemed to be unfair. So pension freedom laws allowed you to decide how you wanted to take your pension. And what that meant was that you could take your pension, put it in an investment that allows you to take the 25%, and start to draw down bits of income as and when you need it. Let's say, for example, you're still working at 60, 61, 62, whatever it is, because you're enjoying what you're doing, you're being paid a fair salary. Your pension then kicks in. Why do you want to pay 40% tax on money that you don't even need? Yeah. So it's then you have the opportunity to keep that pension ring fence until you actually need it. If you don't need it, you don't draw it, it can pass on to the next generation. So automatically, yeah, on your death, your dependents have got some of money that they can use to kickstart their life, whether that be drawing down some money and purchasing a property or it's income for their life. Furthermore, we're talking about generational wealth, and something I see some of my wealthier clients do is investing in pensions for their children now. Mm. Now. And that again is because of the tax relief. So you can invest a maximum of 3,600, of which you get 20% tax relief. That takes it down to £2,828, £2,880. Yeah. So already, you know, if you've got four children, you are getting £3,000 free from the government. Something from the grow tax rate, etc. So that's money that's coming out of your income that's helping set up the next generation. So that's the beauty of having your money in a pension fund. You could camp off on in a tax-efficient way to your children. And on the, on the leaving the pension, sorry, starting the pensions for your kids early, is that 3,000 contribution an annual contribution or is that a maximum contribution? Yeah, it's a maximum annual contribution of 3,600. So, okay. so basically... You can pay for a pound up to, up to 3,600, yeah, and get the tax relief. 
So basically an 18 year old person, they could basically, before they've even started working, their parents could have set them up with a pension that's worth the better part of 60,000 pounds without just based on their contributions, not even how much it's grown. Yeah. So again, the generational wealth piece is really exciting because even if you don't get to retire early, you have the opportunity to set your kids up, to give them an 18 year head start. And this, and this doesn't apply to just the kids that you have. Maybe it's your siblings' kids or your friends' kids, your godchildren, grandchildren. Set something up for them so that their life starts a hundred grand up. Yeah. And, and the thing is that here, Joe, is coming back to generational wealth. If you can remember from the last episode, I talked about that, that dreaded tax of 40%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just using that example of the 18 year old, yeah, 60,000 by the time they've got 18, right? 40% of 60,000 is what, 24,000 pounds? Yep. Yeah. So they've saved themselves already 24,000 pounds out of their estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by putting 60,000 in. Yeah. Yeah. And would have received 20% on top of that from the government. But these things are no brainers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, I'm going to be candid. A lot of financial advisors don't like to do that because it doesn't pay well. Right? Yeah. You know, and it's a lot of paperwork to do. But it's the right thing to do. If we're thinking about generational wealth, financial planning, you know, work with an advisor who's going to do the job properly for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's leave nothing on the table. At least you know what you can do and then make a decision whether you want to do it or not. Yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah. And we've spoken about a debt clearance because that's something that's really close to my heart. Mm. But the power of that potentially, so using that example from the previous section where someone had a £1,000 a month mortgage, you decide that you're going to clear your mortgage by age 40, 45. You get £1,000 a month back. That's what goes into the retirement fund for the kids. They don't even need to... So you're going to max out your £3,000 a year contribution easy. Yeah. Easy. And then once you, and that's three months of the year, what do you do for the remaining nine months? It depends, obviously, it depends on how many kids you have. If you've got four kids, yeah. you've got 12 months taken care of. That's right, yeah. But if you've only got one or two, you've got the advantage of then you can max out their contributions the first half of the year and then spend the rest of the money on whatever you like. Yeah. The key thing about this generational wealth thing is that the sooner you are financially independent, the sooner you can start investing in the financial independence of people that come after you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the most important things here is that you're getting the good legal advice around setting things up in the, in the right form of trust. And I, I think we were talking about this last week when I said, I saw a client who sent me a copy of his will. I looked at the will, he did a DIY will online <laughs> it gave some powers to the trustees that were just absolutely incredible. And sorry to bring that up on this podcast. I know it's, we're not we're not talking about that. But if you've got a DIY will at this moment in time, or your members of your family have, get it checked out that the powers they've given to the trustees do exactly what they want them to do. And if I can make it, just give an example. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. So in this will, what it allowed the trustees to do would be to go off and buy a house with some of the monies from that trust run alongside their money and then give payback when they're ready. Now, can let you... Me, let me make that clear. Let me clarify. So if it was me... Yeah. I've set up a trust fund and I want it to go to my kids for their future benefit, my partner, if yeah. it should the worst happen to me. Yes. I've put two of my friends on there. I'm going to use real names. Courtney and Desmond. 
yeah. two friends, Courtney and Desmond. I put them on there. And what you're saying to me is that Courtney and Desmond can take money from my children's future that I've set aside from them yeah. and go and spend on whatever they like yeah. and pay it back to my kids whenever they like. Yeah. And there's and a they, chance that that may never happen. Well, Courtney could go, la la, you know, and then just say, what money? I don't have no money, you know. And then the thing is, if the beneficiary then have to go through the courts to fight for it to get back their money. Crazy. Yeah. And that's so, if Courtney and Desmond still have the money. Exactly. So two things there. One, choose your trustee wisely. But two, make sure you get your will checked out. Come on. I mean, when I when I when I showed him what this was, and I went through the will, I started to read. I'm not not solicitor, but you know, I've got some 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 knowledge. I started redlining things. I kept redlining, kept redlining. Then I passed it to a solicitor contact that I had, and she said, "Yeah, it's some really good points there." But also, the thing you've missed out. They actually even, even they actually haven't even put trust in this will to protect against inheritance tax, and there is an inheritance tax problem in this family. So yeah, let's do things the right way. Yes, it's going to cost you probably next to two, three hundred pound, but at least you're protected, rather than having a will that's cost you a hundred pound that does nothing for you. There you go. And we're going to do an episode soon on what your financial freedom team should look like because we have to break down the people that you should not necessarily have constant contact with but the people you should have access to so if you have a legal issue who's the lawyer that you can call up if you have an accounting or a tax issue who's the accountant you can, who's the wealth manager you can call up? all of these sorts of things that are going to be part of your team that yeah. makes your future aspirations possible we need to we need to be crystal clear on that and david we're probably going to do that episode together so you guys stay tuned for that but there's another thing that's that's on my mind personally. So my dad is 64 in a couple of days. My mum is going to be 62 before the end of the year. And they're not looking like they're going to retire anytime soon. And a lot of people's parents are in similar situations. What kind of things should I be looking at to reduce the knock-on impact of that? Because again, this is where the, few, the previous generation not necessarily taking all the steps that they could have, or maybe not taking the, not taking steps because they just didn't know, yeah. has a knock-on impact. Again, we spoke about the quicker you can get to financial independence, the quicker you can start working on financial independence a generation below. But if you don't achieve financial independence and you start getting older, you now put pressure on the generation to come after you to now sort of reach their financial independence as well as trying to help you in your financial dependence as you age. So David, help me out, what can I do? <laughs> well, 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 you know what, I think again, it's about managing any debt that may be there. It's then looking at any allowances that they're potentially not using for that, for the tax allowances. It's then taking advantage of any cash sums they've got to invest into things like pensions where they can take the, 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 the tax efficient allowances, but also, then start to take back some tax free cash. Uh, and really, it's about dipping your hand in your pocket because sometimes, Joseph, you know, I have to say, it's too late. <laughs> you know, it's, it's too late. You know, and, and you know, if you want to address the problem where you're going to live for 35 years in a two year window, yeah, good luck. Get some scratch yeah. cards. Yeah. So it's, it's then everyone rallying around. 
You can do things like drawing down the equity from your property, but I've just told you about knock-on effects for that. So it's it, it making sure that they've got their houses in order. And, and also, when we talk about generational wealth and financial planning, you know, what will happen is at some point your parents will pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point they will pass. So, you know, have you got in place the insurances that are required to pay for funerals? Have you got in place any insurance on any debts that they've got? Are any insurances they've got written into trust so that they've got that state and get paid quickly? So it's important that we have those conversations with our parents. And I did this week, and um, as you know, Joseph, it was actually very, very hard for me and my family to kind of do that. But it's important. Mm. Yeah, it's important. And I have to practice what I preach. For sure, for sure. Um, Okay, so we've, again, we've talked about a lot, but just to summarise this section before we move on to the next section, um, there are other things you can do to bring forward your retirement date, your financial independence date. And to clarify what we mean by retirement, it's the time where you're making enough money outside of your primary employment to not have to go to work every single day. It's not to never have to work, but to not have to go as much as you go now. And you see this called passive income. You see this called financial freedom. It's all of those things. And you can do that through maxing out your ISA, contribu- your ISA contributions, which are £20,000 a year, which is tax exempt. Correct, David? Correct, yeah. You can also do that from speaking to wealth managers, speaking to financial advisors who can help you find the most efficient ways of doing it. If it is acquiring a property and having that be part of your portfolio, if it is investing in bonds and having that be part of your portfolio, you could invest in a plethora of things that could be contributing to your income, but they will also help you get the numbers right because a lot of us are chasing a fictitious number. Most of us leave the house because the average salary in London is £34,000 a year. The average salary in the UK is roughly £29,000 a year. That means no matter where you live in this country, you're leaving the house Monday to Friday, nine to five, on average for less than £2,000 a month, less than £2,500 a month, depending on what you make. If you can replace that, you're pretty much financially independent. You're semi-retired from that day. And that could be as soon as your 40th birthday, depending on how old you are when you listen to this. In addition to that, those of you who are already thinking about the next generation, that I never want my kids to be poor, I want to look after my grandkids' grandkids, pensions and retiring early could be the key to unlocking generational wealth for your family for a number of reasons. One, because the quicker you become financially independent and debt-free specifically, the quicker you can start investing in the financial futures of others. Part of that investment is that if you've got kids or children in your life who you care about, you can contribute in the UK up to £3,600 tax efficiently every single year. That means from zero to 18, someone could have a minimum of £60,000 in their pension pot before they've worked a day in their life. And that is how that person goes on to retire at 40. That is how they can start doing the same thing for the next generation. That person retires at 35. And you never know. If you do it, your family may never need to work in four generations' time. That's a whole different kettle of fish and possibly a whole different kettle of problems. But the point is, is that you can start that from your pension today. And you guys know I'm a a big advocate of insurance. Life insurance, health insurance, insurance. Because in case ish happens and ish always happens this is life following that 
your plan A is if you never make any money in your life is, is to have insurance is to pass it on to the next generation. Your plan B is just to maintain your pension contributions because you can pass that on to the next generation as well. If you don't hit the bag, if you don't make a million, if you don't become a billionaire, if you don't become a property mogul, if you don't figure out how to make 60 grand a month trading Forex, this pension and this life insurance will set the next generation up without you having to do anything extra. All you had to do was keep a job and make the payments. Yeah. And lastly, if you're in a situation like me, where your parents are not ready for retirement, and that could be something that falls on your shoulders, start having a conversation early. Start having it today. I'm having a conversation with my dad tonight about what we need to be doing to make sure that financially you're going to be dependent but how does that affect my future financial independence? How does that affect the future financial independence of the grandkids he's been asking me for for the past four years? <laughs> yeah. All of that matters. Have the conversation. David's had it. I'm having it. It's not going to be fun, but it's going to make the difference. In the next section, we're going to break down a quick tip and give you some next steps. So stay tuned. You may not know this, but we have a Patreon page. Patreon is a platform that makes it super easy for people to support creators. Here at Black Millennial Money, our mission is to reach millions of people around the world with life-changing financial information, and you can be part of that. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Black Millennial Money or click the link in the description to sign up and start supporting us today. So we have been talking about how you can retire early and if it's still possible, the simple answer is that it is yes, but now we're going to give you a quick tip and some next steps that you can put in place. So, David, are you ready with our quick tip for this week's episode? Yeah, for me, it really is start now. The earlier you start, the better. You know, if you've got a company scheme, join it as soon as you possibly can. Learn about it, understand it, understand what's going on in terms of what you can contribute, what sort of funds are in, and take advice around it. Okay. And... With those company schemes, it's important to max it out to make sure you're making a maximum contribution. And in addition to that, sometimes it's smart for you to pick your company as because we look at the benefits, we look at the salaries, but do we actually really look at how much they put into our pensions? Because yeah. your company could double your pension contributions. Yeah. And that could be what gets you over the line. You spend 10 years at that company, that could change your financial future like that. Well, not like that because it took 10 years, but you see my yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is the quick tip. Start now, start early, get into your company system of however they do pensions and max it out. Yeah. Max it out. Now, on to the next steps because we like to keep it actionable on here. What are the three things people can do right now to get themselves in a position to retire early? Yeah. Well, I said the first thing is to start to think about it. You know, whether you're 25 or you're 55, think about it because that day is going to come and you're going to need that pot of money. And when you're thinking about it, you need to work out that number. So if you're used to spending £20,000 a year after your mortgage payments, after your travelling costs, it's unlikely you're going to need less than that when you come to retire. Yeah, And that's just in today's terms. So work out exactly what that number is or as close to it as you can and then work out what you need to do to get towards that number. That's the first tip. The second tip, which I think is really important, is find out where all your old pensions are. 
that have you been at a company and left behind a scheme? You remember seeing a letter somewhere, there's a statement that comes through every so often that you file because you can't remember what should do it or you'll get around to it at some, some point. See an advisor, consolidate those pensions from previous employers and have it all in one place that you know is being managed properly and you can review at least once a year. Thirdly, maximise your contributions. Take account of the free money that the government is giving you. You know I love that. Yeah, take account of that free money that's given, given to you. Invest it wisely into, into, into a pension and ensure that it's going to grow for you in a tax-efficient manner. So those are my top three tips. Okay, so just to summarise that a little bit, um, figure out what your numbers are. Work out what you're actually aiming for. And a lot of people don't know how much they spend in a year. They really don't. When people ask you how much money you make, you usually take your top line salary. That's not how much you make. That's how much you're taxed on. What you make is what you bring back home. So that figure. And how much of that do you spend every month? Yeah. Calculate that across the year and see what you really need. Because when you're older, you're probably not going to get any less expensive. <laughs> you're just going to spend your money on different things. Today's it bottles of Moe. In the future, it could be the petrol on your jack, whatever it is that you're driving, whatever it is that you're doing at that time, you're not going to be necessarily more less expensive. The next step is to figure out where all of those old pensions are. Anything that you've got lingering, get it all together, find out what you could do with it to make sure that you're using it the best you can. And then finally, maximize your contributions. You get lots of tax benefits for doing that. So if you're self-employed, that's very important. Even if you're traditionally employed, it's also important because you can claim back a chunk of tax and save yourself a lot of money from maxing out stuff for your future that, own, that you're going to benefit from anyway. So those are the immediate next steps of this episode. David, how do you feel about this episode? Do you know what? It's fantastic because uh, you know, there's, there's real actionable steps and everyone here can do something about it if they choose to do so. And I would simply say the longer that you wait to do things, the more expensive it gets. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, as always, we're happy that you guys listen. And I'm sure there's going to be people that want to take action off the back of this. So, David, where can people reach you? How can they get hold of you? Well, listen, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, David Villa Clark, or I've got a website, dvcwealth.co.uk. If you go on there as a contact sheet, it also tells a little bit more about me, what I do. Uh, I don't normally dress like this when I'm at work, but uh, <laughs> we should have team colours today. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, dvcwealth.co.uk. Uh, lots of information on there in terms of retirement planning, generational wealth, etc. And um, also a contact page, even if you just want to chat to, to talk things through. More than happy to help. Amazing. And as always, you can reach out to the podcast app. BMM Global on Instagram, blackmillennialmoney.com. And we're on Twitter now, so BMM Global Pod. And if you head over to our website, we're going to start doing dilemmas. So if you've got specific financial challenges that you would like my take on, David's take on, or any of the other experts we have on the show, send your questions in at blackmillennialmoney.com. We will answer them as best as we can for you to get some insight. So head over to blackmillennialmoney.com go to the contact page and send us some questions. You can also DM us your questions on Instagram, but it's much easier if you head over to blackmillennialmoney.com. And a big shout out to Just Michael AK Studios who do the editing for our podcast. 
reach out to them, head over to justmichaelakstudios.com and get your editing, your video work upped. The quality has gone up from what we're doing and it's only going higher. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for an Invest Money episode. You will not be disappointed. This is Black Millennial Money. 